Terrible. Take a lap. God awful. Get going. Uh, you know, technical difficulties at the start of this show. I should probably just play the, the, the theme song like I'm supposed to, right? Yeah. Well, we're off to a fantastic start. On that note, welcome to Section 247's The Goal Line Stand, number one trending football podcast on Podomatic. Thank you to all of the listeners who have made that happen. Follow us on all social media at GL Stand Show, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Coming to you live from the Michaels Glass Company studios, serving Philadelphia Tri-State area since 1978-215-338-3293. Tell them Mike and Brett sent you, and we are a Sports Talk Philly partner, sportstalkphilly.com. I am Michael Lipinski, joined as always by Brett Halpern for a Football Friday. What is happening? It is a beautiful day here in New Jersey. Yeah, it is really nice. It's definitely a... I'm glad that we sort of ended on a positive note from a weather perspective, because it was it was getting kind of sucky earlier in the week. It was a little chilly. Yeah. And we're, we're at that point now where in the course of a month, you know, this month of November, we're going to get everything from summer to winter yeah. to spring. It's great. It's wonderful. Craziness. Let's get to it. The Philadelphia Eagles and the Cleveland Browns. I don't know why this isn't on Sunday Night Football, to be quite honest with you. What a tremendous matchup we've got here. Well, it's, I mean, frankly, it is two teams that are in the hunt for their either playoff spots or divisional titles. So, I mean, that does meet the criterion for a late season Sunday night game. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, Eagles-Browns, you know, we we always do the historical perspective of this game. And I was trying to think back, and I'm like, you know what? I can only recall a handful of meetings. And and little did I know that Cleveland leads this series 31-17-1. Wow. But the Eagles have uh, the Eagles have defeated Cleveland uh, every year, and now you got to remember there was the, the break when they left. So there, yeah. there was the gap the gap from ninety four to two thousand. But the Eagles have won every, won every game against the new Cleveland Browns. 2000, 2004, 2008, 2012, 2016. So every four years. So I didn't. I'm sorry. I I definitely cut you off. Go for it. I, I was going to say like the the, the only. I have like I have two memories. I, I think I you had T.O. going into Cleveland. Yeah, that would have been 2004. I, I remember that. Then I remember watching the 2012 game from the airport in Chicago. Huh. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's yeah, sure. I mean, the thing is that you know nowadays with the the way the conference schedules are you're only seeing this team once every four years and you're only going to Cleveland once every eight years so it is definitely limited history I was trying to think back wasn't the Eagles Browns rivalry a big deal the Eagles were the team that welcomed the Browns to the NFL I believe 
because the Browns were the defending All-American football conference champions, and the Eagles were the defending NFL champions. I, be- Nin- there, I believe uh, there's something to that. Yes, you are correct. That would have been September 16th, 1950. Cleveland Browns, 35. Philadelphia Eagles, 10. It, it, that was That's when Cleveland was good. Yeah. I, isn't it kind of crazy to think that the – so there was – a stretch where the best football team in the world didn't even play for the NFL. And this is really before the AFL too. They were in that AAFC. I don't know. I think also the San Francisco 49ers came from that league. Uh, I believe they may, they may have, I can look that up as we, as we get a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But there is not much. There's really not much to, to Eagles and, and the Browns, not nor should there be. No, I mean, I mean, really, the only times that teams like the Browns or the Eagles or the Browns or the Giants played with regularity was back in the fifties and sixties. And once the once the Browns went to the AFC, it was not often. So, um, yeah, not a, not a ton of history, but there is definitely a, a good amount of importance for the matchup this week against uh, the Browns and your Eagles. So, uh, it, it also helps that. Um, the Browns will be without one of their, if not their best player. Sorry, I was looking up the All-American Football Conference here. Oh, my bad. That All-American Football Conference. So this is this is interesting. Yeah. We'll definitely have to have an episode in the offseason about defunct leagues and defunct teams. Yeah, because, all right, so All-American Football Conference, Eastern Division, just real quick. Yeah. New York Yankees, they played at Yankee yeah. Stadium. Brooklyn Dodgers played at Ebbets Field. Yeah, Buffalo Bison played at Civic Stadium. Miami Seahawks, San Francisco 49ers, Los Angeles. We're in the Eastern Division? Uh, I'm sorry, then the Western Division. Okay, okay, yeah. Western Division, you had Cleveland Browns, played at Municipal Stadium. The Chicago Rockets, which played at Soldier Field, because everyone forgets the Bears and the Cardinals in Chicago at the time did not play there. Yeah. The Los Angeles Dons and the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, that's right. It's so weird how so that yeah. league folded and then only two of the teams were consumed or acquired by the NFL. Correct. Yeah, that's so yeah. interesting. We'll get into that. We'll get into that another day. But yeah, so the Eagles, it seems the Eagles have lucked out with some COVID situation. You know, again, we preface this by saying we hope everyone is healthy, but yeah. the Eagles have an advantage here now. Absolutely. I would say that this is a big advantage. I mean, Miles Garrett is having an excellent year. Uh, so to not have him, that really puts a damper on Cleveland's defensive efforts. So uh, I think that you really don't have to worry as much about the rush. And if they are going to rush, it's going to be blitzes, which presumably would mean someone's going to be open. Yeah, someone's going to be open, but the Eagles would actually have to complete a pass. And have a wide receiver catch it. Although JJ Arthega Whiteside also on the COVID spectrum here. I don't know if he yeah. has the COVID, but he's on the list. Uh, yeah. He will not be playing. Uh, look, uh, this this matchup, the Eagles could win this game. Uh, they could. Cleveland is a good team, but they're beatable. It really depends what Eagles team shows up here. If they decide to run the football, line up and run the football, they have an opportunity. If they get caught in what they've been doing over the past 
eight weeks of the season, nine weeks of the season, chances are it can go the other way. This is a winnable game. As crazy as that sounds, you know, everyone talks about this Eagle stretch coming up. This game is winnable. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, to me, so I guess you know, start defensively uh, for the Eagles. I, the key is you have to stop the run. The Browns, to their credit, have one of, if not the, they definitely have the best one-two punch in terms of running backs who are now both healthy in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, I think the goal is you want to make Baker Mayfield try to beat you. Because if Baker Mayfield's trying to beat you, I think undoubtedly he's going to throw a few Aaron balls, maybe one or two to Darius Slay as opposed to Jarvis Landry, and that's how you win the game. You need to stop the run. I would frankly, and, and particularly without Odell Beckham there, I would frankly just load the box with eight guys and 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 dare Baker Mayfield to throw the ball. I would agree with you. And yes, Baker Mayfield is a threat to run, but he is not the running quarterback that Daniel Jones is. So the Eagles traditionally, and even so, so this year have been very good against the run. So this plays into their favor. That being said, who the hell knows? Will a Gallman scoring leaping into the end zone when the, uh, when the defensive line is pushed back to Piscataway? I, I would say that the Eagles rushing defense has it started off a lot better than it's been the last few weeks would you agree with that yeah i'd agree with that there's 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 pictures going or going uh all over the place on social media uh then and now uh, you, you know you could put an eagles picture of a, a stout run game and then you just have a bunch of guys laying on their back no i i would agree with you eagles defense needs to stop the run Eagles offense needs to score more points. Yeah, well, I, I mean, obviously that's always the key of the game. Um, I think that you could run, frankly, on, on the Browns. Look, the Eagles have, have demonstrated when they want to run the ball, they can run the ball against anyone. The, the, the problem is that the play calling, they abandoned the run way too soon. And you're putting the ball in the hands of Carson Wentz, who right now, is at best shaky. So why wouldn't you continue to run the ball? Miles Sanders is an excellent running back. I, you know, honestly, I haven't devoted enough energies to, to assess where he ranks in the whole scheme of things, but I can confidently say he is a very good running back. It's a guy I wouldn't mind having on my team. He's a so feed him the rock. I, I like Boston Scott as a change of pace. Feed him the rock. I know you guys just acquired Jordan Howard, but he's not going to play in this game. I'm assuming Corey Corey Clement's not bad. No, Jordan Howard's on the practice squad, too, so we'll see what happens there. I don't know how that's going to work out. That's the problem here. I mean, Doug Peterson has come out in the media and said, I don't have to change. I don't have to give up play calling, and I don't have to change play calling. Well, you know, maybe that's just coach speak in, in, in the media, but clearly something is going on. You have players coming out talking about sloppy practices, and that bleeding over into into the game, which you can see. I, I, look, I agree with you. I can't. I the run needs to set up the pass now, with especially with the way Carson Wentz is playing. You yeah. have to essentially t- make Carson Wentz into a game manager, which is not what you thought he was, but that's what he needs to be for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You have to let him manage the game. You can't put the game on his shoulders anymore because it's just going to get all wacky. Yeah, 
they need to run the ball. It needs to be a true 50-50 in my opinion. Maybe 60-40 uh, pass to run. You know, there has to be more. It, you can't run one out of every four plays. Be successful and then just say, well, whatever. Yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you just said. It's, um, you know, the one interesting component, and this, it sort of relates back to our previous discussion regarding the Eagles defense. If the Cleveland Browns are able to successfully run the ball, it is going to bleed the clock. So at that point, you have to wonder, well, if you ever, if, you, if the, if the Browns, if it becomes apparent that they are really, um, winning the battle of time of possession that might force the Eagles hand regarding having to throw the ball as compared with running it. So again, it just, it shows you how, I mean, how, how really football is complimentary and even how a defense sets up an offense. So, and I think that's a great example of it. You, you got to stop the run because that'll also allow you to free up your own offense. Um, you know, also I would like to see the tight ends a little bit more involved. You know, like I, I, I think Richard Rodgers is a competent tight end. He is a very. Uh, we talked about. That. Yeah, we've uh, talked about it multiple a, weeks. He is a good. If you were going to go in the future, and we could talk about this in the offseason, a Dallas yeah. Goddard, Richard Rodgers, two tight end package, where Zach Ertz goes somewhere else, you trade him, whatever. It's perfectly. It's perfectly acceptable. He's yeah. a very good piece. He's even better as a third tight end when you yeah. have a healthy Zach Ertz. Hey, offensively the Eagles you just sometimes it's keep it simple stupid I mean you got to get back to not Chip Kelly simple where where they know exactly what's coming but keep it simple stupid remember kind of what got you to the dance yeah yeah we talk about how complex football is and and you know you listen to John Gruden's play calls and it's like uh uh, it's on a freaking Chinese menu for Andy Reid and all this stuff sometimes it's as simple as Hey, you get your tight end on a drag route. You get a wide receiver on a post corner. You, you, yeah. you run off tackle, you know, 21 dive, counter crisscross, that kind of thing that that works. So they just got to get back to the basics of what was working and stick with it. Simple as that. Yeah. Well, well, 21 dive is a Lipinski special. Uh, I love I love the 21 dive. Sometimes you just got to pound the rock right up the middle. And, I think and, you inherited that one. Yeah. Beat the team into submission. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that story another time. That's an that's another off season story. Uh, but here's a question I had for you. Uh, I, I wanted to get your take. I was thinking about it uh, during the week regarding Dallas Goddard. So Zach Ertz, kind of similar to Evan Ingram, is a tight end that you can actually line up on the outside as a wide receiver. Um, what I think the benefit to that is it opens up a lot of things in terms of wide receiver screens because you have a tight end out there blocking, or then you, it gets you another tight end in the game to help you with run blocking up the middle. and uh, also gives you a size disparity outside. Do you think Dallas Goddard, I really like Dallas Goddard, but do you view him more as an inline tight end where he can't do that? Or do you think he has the capability of lining up outside? Yeah, I think he has the capability, but I don't, we, we haven't really seen it. So yeah, I, I, look, not I, who knows I if we ever know. see it. I was just, it right. was like a random thought I had. I wanted to get your take. Yeah, on I it. think you could do it. I, I actually think when he's building that same, he's built in that same mold of that type of tight end, a guy that you can split out and yeah. let him do his thing. Yeah, I think he could. I, 
look, the tight ends need to be more involved. The Eagles and this offense, this West Coast offense, has always been successful when the tight ends were involved. And I'm not talking about from the Eagles. I mean, Jesus Christ, you go back to Bill Walsh, right? (laughs) They were successful with the tight ends. It's just how it is. And it opens up everything else. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the West Coast offense. Obviously, look, the, the father of, well, really, you make the argument the real father of it is Paul Brown. Some people also argue that there was the 1970 New York Giants were one of the innovators of it. But nevertheless, we all think of it as Bill Walsh. So you go down the tree, you get to Andy Reid, and Andy Reid's disciple being Doug Peterson. It's interesting, though. Andy Reid, to this day in Kansas City, you go back to even Bill Walsh, they employed a fullback, which is not something present in the Eagles' offense. You know, And I wonder if that I'm, – I'm not saying, okay – the answer to every problem that the Eagles have right now is the lack of a fullback. I was just curious, like what, you know, your take is, do you feel like that's something that's really missing? I, I think sometimes it benefits. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Sometimes it benefits you just to be able to line up and block, have yeah. that extra blocker. Now, maybe that guy's a little bit of a hybrid, you know, the quote unquote H back, a yeah. guy that can play a tri- play the third tight end where you have two competent starters and he plays a, a jack of all trades kind of role. But yeah, yeah I, I, I think so. I think sometimes things get too complicated. Things yeah. get overly complicated. The teams that win do things traditionally. Yeah. So, yeah, Man. I mean, I'm not advocating that they go out and they trade for Michael Burton, but you know, it'd be kind of cool though. It, it would be kind of cool, but you know, Maybe, maybe it's something to look at, but I don't know who the hell's calling the offense to even come up with that. You know, I have to look at it. Do they use a fullback in Indianapolis by any chance? I think they do. And not, but not really that heavily. It's, it's interesting. So that's kind of a variation between Peterson's version of the West coast. And it, cause Andy Reid still uses it. You know, it was just something that I, uh, I was thinking about too, in terms of, fullback usage because you know so look it i think the the other benefit to a fullback for a guy like carson wentz i think carson wentz needs more easy outlet passes right yeah yeah but if you listen to like a baldinger like we brought up on the wrap-up show and some of yeah. the other pundits the ron jaworski's the guys that are watching the film now yeah. we can all watch it but they're getting it they're getting it early right they're sitting yeah. over in mount laurel at nfl films watching it and not inviting us. I don't know. I COVID. I got it. You know? Yeah. But will Carson Wentz even use it? I don't know. Well, that's why we got to get a quarterback expert on here. And I know we're 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 kicking the tires on that. We got to yeah. figure out a way. But I don't know if Carson Wentz would would use the outlet. He doesn't use it as it is. Yeah, but that gives you another very obvious outlet. Agreed. Let's get so into that's all, yeah. Let's get into some of the intangibles here. Uh, what's going to make this game break one way or the other? It's actually, in a way, uh, kind of an evenly matched game, despite the record. Yeah, this is going to come down to the, this is going to come down to a kicker, isn't it? Or a punting well, the ball. Hey, look, Again. special teams play a big part. Um, you know, I think an underrated uh, aspect of. Last week's game with the uh, the Giants and the Eagles was the fact of um, that the Giants punter had a really good day. 
So, you know, it's the longer the field is, it's the harder it is for the offense. So that and so I, I haven't checked the weather uh, report for Sunday. I, uh, I normally I do, but that's always, I mean, because, yeah, cause, okay. Because obviously for anyone who saw uh, what was going on in Cleveland last week, that's a, that was uh, that was as crazy a weather as I've ever seen. Uh, I mean that that honestly looked like something of biblical proportion, and I'm not an overly religious person. Um, you know, I'm, I I will say I have enjoyed, or I wouldn't say enjoyed. I, I've respected uh, the, what the Cleveland coaching staff has done. I think Stefanski has done a decent job. Um, the end of the day, though, I, I do think the X factor is Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, I think the Browns have a really interesting decision coming up in the offseason regarding him. Is he really the guy? Uh, when he's on, he's on, but there are many times when he is off. So I think even last week, I know there was crazy weather, but, you know, they only put up 10 points against the Texans and barely won. And the Texans are just floundering right now. So, yeah, it is interesting how you have one team with three wins, one team with six, but it really is an evenly matched game and the uh, weather report is weather report from jim cantori weather channel friend of the show uh sunday rain likely high near 45 winds out of the east at 10 to 15 miles an hour chance of rain 100 percent rainfall near a half an inch uh run the football buddy and you know i would think that so i guess in a weird way that would help the eagles because if it's such bad weather they just can't throw the ball but you know that means they'll throw it nine hundred times. Yeah, you know. So, so. Pred- pr- prediction time. I predict pain. <laughs> unfortunately, I, I look. I just. I, again, I said it. I think it's winnable. I just don't think the Eagles. I don't think the Eagles win this game. I think there's too much going on. I think there's all this. 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 You know, there's something happening here. It, 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 there's where there's smoke, there's fire. What it and, is ain't exactly clear. What? I, I was doing the lyrics to that song. Oh, and this isn't like the the Pope. This isn't smoke from the 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 you know in Rome. This is bad smoke. This is black smoke. Something burning bad. And I just think Cleveland takes this game. On that note, the Eagles probably win like forty five seventy. so my prediction is Philadelphia twenty four, Cleveland sixteen. Well, I hope you're right and I'm wrong. Before we get into like the news and the notes around the NFL, um, massacre in the Meadowlands, melee in the Meadowlands. Um, <laughs> what are we calling this? There was a, there was a, uh, as we like to say, a Johnny wagon up at <laughs> w- what's the what's the was it? Oh, uh, Quest Diagnostics. Quest, yeah, Quest uh, Diagnostic yeah. Training Center. Yeah, up in the up in the swamps of Jersey. Uh, <laughs> Mark Colombo and uh, Joe Judge allegedly had a little. Yeah, bit of there, there are there are conflicting reports as to whether it got physical. Some say they did. At minimum, supposedly they got in each other's faces and had to be restrained, and it got very uh, heated. So the end result is Mark Colombo has been terminated as the offensive line coach of the New York Giants. Uh, what happened was the backstory is obviously Joe judge. It, it is nice to see that he does. Um, perhaps he listens to the show. I wouldn't blame him, uh, but he himself 
was not pleased with the offensive line play. And within the past month, he's been spending an inordinate amount of time during practice with the offensive line. And, you know, it's interesting, about a month ago, Mike, remember I was telling you about that one article uh, regarding Paul Alexander, who was the guy who was training Andrew Thomas in the offseason. And he's like, I have no idea what they're teaching this guy because he looks terrible now. Um, and so it was right around that time Joe Judd started more closely dealing and interacting with the offensive line. So what does Joe Judge do now? He brought in Dave DeGuglielmo, who was actually – DeGuglielmo and Colombo were the finalists for the offensive line job in the offseason. DeGuglielmo previously coached uh, with the Colts, the Patriots, the Dolphins. He's been, like, all around the league. Uh, so he was hired this week. As That's an, not the the offensive line coach. That the, the Patriots have an old line coach. The famous no. That's Dante Scarnecchia. Oh yeah, Our Italian. Yeah, yeah. You know, I yeah. just type. I'm just typing. These, these are some great Italian names. I you know, Colombo de Guglielmo. And, it's per- and really, it's perfect for New Jersey. So this is true. Know. This is true. So um, they brought in de Guglielmo as an offensive consultant with the idea of. He would primarily be overseeing and assisting with the offensive line coaching. When Joe Judge informed Mark Colombo of that, he did not take kindly to that. For those that forget, Mark Colombo himself was an offensive lineman uh, for the Dallas Cowboys. Good player. Um, And so he apparently had some choice words, which you cannot say in front of children or in any PG-13 movie. Uh, And then that's where the conflicting report as to whether Judge and Colombo got into a fight. But either way, I kind of like the fact that Judge wouldn't back down from Colombo. I mean, look, you know, in our other uh, podcast, In the Fight, uh, our combat sports uh, podcast, we would talk about the odds of that fight. The odds would definitely be stacked against Joe Judge, but I like the fact that he's got enough moxie to stand up to him. That's a good sign. You know, Joe Judge's attitude seems to really fit in with it's it's so typecast i know but this area right like there's certain people who if you're in new jersey new york philadelphia you need a certain kind of attitude you you, you can't be a ho-hum midwesterner you have to you have to kind of know you gotta you gotta have that balls you gotta be able to grab the balls you know grab you can't just be yeah and you can't really just just show up with cargo pants and not talk to anybody right exactly (laughs) You know, <laughs> rugby tackling and so on and so forth. Joe Judge seemingly, and this is even from some of the giant beat writers, uh, has that attitude. It looks like he's actually, I know you were concerned early on, but it, it seems like he is maybe the guy, the right guy, right guy. For yeah, the team. it's interesting you mentioned that because there's, an art, there's uh, articles going out this morning about a former New York Giant coach, guy named Bill Parcells, who is absolutely thrilled with the direction of the team under Joe Judge. Um, now, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get to understand. I, I'm starting to see the development, but I worry because in the end of the day, I would just love this development to be with a different general manager because I still think, you, you know, keep Judge, but you need to have someone else that's, you know, stocking the ship so to speak. Um, but I think you actually, you know, you raise an excellent point. I know this is going to get a little bit broader than football, 
But, you know, you talked about how Joe Judge is right for the Northeast. I think, you know, it's interesting. We over, I mean, I think a lot of times, look, we, we all have our parochial rivalries, right? But I think you raise an excellent point with respect to the general attitude and value system of people in the Northeast. You know, people from New York and people from Philadelphia aren't that much different. Yeah, we could talk about, you know, the high society glitz and glamour of people who live Park Avenue or Fifth Avenue. But the rest, you know, that, I mean, I know that's a lot of people in Manhattan, but the rest of, of the Northeast, we're all kind of the same. We all like the same kind of football. We like smash mouth football, get after it, play defense, make them know, you know, make the other team know you're there. And it's just the next, I thought it was a really good point by you that because Joe Judge is a Philly guy. He's a Delaware Valley guy, but it really, it translates as well to North Jersey, to the New York metropolitan era as you know, area, excuse me. It's just, it's interesting. You know, we see so much back and forth and that's why, you know, we have the show because Philadelphia Eagle guy and a New York giant guy. What did Parcells say about Gettleman? Has he given a, a, a take on Gettleman? The putts of East Rutherford. The only reason I'm asking is because you know that, and, and unless you're under a rock or you're being an ignorant fan, you know that Bill Parcells has the ear of ownership. Yeah. Right. So what he says is important. It's kind of like when an ex-president says that something's embarrassing. Yeah. It, you know, you're going to listen a little bit more uh, if uh, when uh, a former president says something versus whoever a beat writer like Politi, not that i'm taking a shot at Politi, i'm just using him as an example yeah. you know what has parcells said has he said anything else i mean because this conspicuously is absent he has not conspicuously he hasn't said oh, anything. He's, he's conspicuously has not said anything regarding Gallup. i think it's tough because you're right parcells has the ear of the ownership there are certain there are certain alums whether they are coaches or certain players that just carry weight. Um, the problem is also, and this is something we talked about in the offseason, we will talk about this upcoming offseason. The Giants are such an incestuous organization. They will choose someone who previously worked with the Giants or has a connection to the Giants over the most talented, most qualified person. It's just who they are. And Gettleman worked with the Giants. He was an assistant GM. So there's that weird allegiance but interestingly in these articles there has not been any um comments or anything regarding gentlemen which i find interesting keep an eye on it whether yeah. the putts in yeah. east rutherford uh returns talking about other putts of east rutherford deandre baker uh charges dropped yeah i i you know were charges so i'm trying to follow along so the yeah. attorney correct correct me if i'm wrong here the attorney that was representing him or the other guy? The attorney of the accused. Okay. So now, obviously, if it's a criminal matter, the accused would be represented by the state. But I'm assuming this means just like the personal attorney or whomever would be suing civil charges. Tried, has been found, has now been arrested on extortion charges. And because of that, the charges were dropped. Extortion now, I, I don't related to the case or just something in general. No, related to the case because remember oh, there was okay, one part where they were. So he tried was trying to blackmail. The thing is, it. I guess that means that I don't know. He and I think this is probably where you were going to. 
I don't know if this means that the case was thrown out on a technicality or if the extortion basically revealed that there was just no evidence to start. You know Nothing what I mean? happened. They, they they said, "Hey, we got this guy. We can we can create a, a you know a TV show out of it, and it ends up like on Law and Order or something like that." Yeah. Or is it? Well, is it, yeah. Everything now is tainted. We can't present it in court. There's no legal case. And who? And I would I would almost imagine it's the it's not that because would the league allow him to? If there was evidence, if there was sufficient evidence that something that this occurred, the yeah. league would the league would put would would suspend. And yeah, but they still remember they they still have the right to to investigate. That may take an extra several months. Fair point. And he went to Kansas City, where everyone goes to get rehabbed by Andy Reid. I mean, look, I give Andy Reid credit for that. I, you know, I, I think that's part of his religious background, frankly. Um, you know, and think about a lot of the personal things he's had to deal with within his own family. Um, You know, look, I'm not going to wish DeAndre Baker harm, uh, but it was interesting, you know, when he, when the charges were first dropped, first thing he said was he wants to come back to the Giants. And the Giants said, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, And it was Joe Judge right away. And it wasn't, here's another one. It wasn't Gettleman. It was Judge. Kind of interesting to see. It's like, who has control? Who who's kind of is that mean Gettleman's already on the way out? Does it mean he maybe his role is going to be severely reduced? Um, but I think it's also remember, even before this incident, he was not a choir boy. I mean, the fact of after he declared for the draft, when Georgia said, please don't come around the school anymore, don't interact with the team, and the coaches wouldn't even vouch for him. And you realize how valuable a recruiting tool it is to have a guy in the first round, and you're not even going to vouch for the guy to get him in the first round. There was a lot of other red flags with this guy. So, yeah, but nevertheless, charges were dropped, and the rich keep getting richer because the Chiefs now have him on the practice squad. Chiefs do have him on the practice squad, and we'll see what happens there. Was there a change made to the practice squad this year that I just missed? I thought only – to the rules? Yeah, we talked about them. Did we talk about this? Yeah, we definitely did. I guess it's back in the archives. I should go listen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, we did. We talked about it as because with, with Des Bryant. It was really where we had that conversation, right? Yeah, That's well, where we definitely in the off season with COVID, we we talked about even more stuff that they could do. We we I just I distinctly remember like a twenty minute conversation on it. Not enough coffee at this point. It's okay. Uh, before we get to the breaking news and the news and the notes, I need to know. Are you crazy? This is am I crazy? So Brett I, is going to have the questions for me. I get to determine. Yes, he is crazy. Yeah. So my my two questions I want to know first: Would the Steelers benefit from a loss or two? Ah, man. Like, see, yes, they should. So you're not crazy to say that they should. I always think a team benefits from a loss. It just you learn a little bit more about yourself, and you don't want that loss to come in the Super Bowl. You know when, when you're 18 and 0. Uh, yeah, yes, uh, yes, they they work. Okay, you're not crazy. But, all right, my second one. Am I crazy? Um, is the MAC the worst conference in Division One FBS? Say that again. You broke up. Oh, sorry. 
Is the MAC the worst conference in Division One uh, FBS? Ooh, that is a good question. Yeah, I don't know, man. They got. I think and now, yeah. okay. And I'm not just saying this because Ohio University is within the conference, and they may have had former alumni on their women's lacrosse team who suck at life. To start I, them I, I I understand. I understand <laughs> that. Now, um, hmm. Now they got Maction, so they can't be the worst. What do you mean they have Maction? They have Maction. They have successfully figured out a way to give you football Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It fills up your whole week. I can't. I can't. They, I can't. No, they're only playing on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and no one watches. I watch. Okay, you and I watch, but I don't think the I. I there's something about perception. The fact it's only on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, the fact of like, it only looks like there's one or two of them that are competitive. Most of these games have been blowouts. I, I, don't I would know, agree it's with real you there. It, it's very much a top-heavy league. Yeah, I guess it would be because I'm just trying to think of the league. So obviously, Conference USA is good. They have they have solid teams. The American is the group of five. So they're yeah, I guess it would be. Uh, yes. Yeah, and I guess the other thing is, I think they also got screwed for being the last, them in the Pac-12 being the last two to join the dance. Because, I mean, Coastal Carolina is number 15. You have, look at some of the ranked teams this year from the group of five. And there's no one, there's no representation from the MAC. Nor would I think there's, I mean, it. I'm telling you, when you, when you watch it, I'll watch it. It's entertaining. But it definitely, to me, just looks like a lower level of football. Fair enough. It's the worst. I agree with you. Okay. So, on, not crazy. How about no, that? You're not crazy. You're not crazy. But on that note, the NCAA, oh, boy. 12, <laughs> 12 games canceled. I shouldn't be laughing. No, 12 games canceled or, pro, or postponed this weekend due to COVID. <laughs> and, again, the, the bigger games here, right? So Ole Miss at, at Texas A&M, at number five, Texas A&M. Georgia yeah. Tech at number 12, Miami. Yeah. Charlotte at number 15, Marshall. Number 22, Texas at Kansas. Central Arkansas at Louisiana. Louisiana's had a couple canceled, right? Is, I guess it's their bug. I, I think so. Michigan State at Maryland canceled. Was that a Maryland issue or a Michigan State issue? I believe that's a Maryland issue. Maryland issue. There's it's good. They can be the bottom. They can be the 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 whipping boy of the Big Ten. I, I, I just hope somebody gets it. the. I just hope somebody gets the kid from the upper deck who's scared. Yeah, he's still he's still attached. <laughs> Wake Forest at Duke canceled. Houston at SMU canceled. And I was looking forward to that. It was a potential uniform matchup. Yeah. UL Monroe at Louis versus Louisiana Tech canceled. UNLV Colorado State canceled. Navy at South Florida canceled. Arizona State, Colorado canceled. Pac-12, what the hell did they do? Like it's almost like, oh, we're just gonna we're gonna play, but we're not gonna be prepared for it. Well, I, I would like to see. I have not taken the time to do this analysis. Which schools have allowed 100 percent return of the student body and how that's related to any of the athletic programs and COVID? Yeah, that is a fair point. I, I do think Arizona State has students on campus because I know people that go there, but I'm not sure. 
Yeah, and it's Arizona Needle- State. They're probably partying. Yeah, ne- yeah, exactly. Needless to say, that's a lot of football, and it, it's hitting the NFL again. I mean, Eagles, uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside on the giant front. Giants are getting hit by it. Yeah, Giants actually just announced three players tested positive this morning, so they're going to be out for their next game. So I'm telling you, between Miles Garrett's COVID situation and now the Giants, I honestly think the Eagles just won the division. If there's games to be played, remember we discussed last week, there is a contingency plan in place in case that games are going to get skipped. I don't think it's a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. I don't understand why you wouldn't just create a few extra weeks of the division. Excuse me, to the season. I I, I, I don't know either. I don't know yeah. either. So, but yeah, it, it, it's a shame. I agree with you. There were definitely a, a few... Uni matchups that would have been nice to see, as well as a few good. I mean, there's some good games in there. There are some good games in there, but yeah. you know, is what it is. Yep, that's what they say. Speaking of games, which was actually a really good game, let's talk Thursday night football and let's start off in and uniforms. And we can already say this is going to be this is my number one. I probably will have to pick two other ones. Yeah. Did somebody like watch a? I, I say this every time I see Seattle in this in this yellow neon green getup. Who watched the Orlando Breakers or whatever they were of the World League of American Football and said, "Yeah, hey, we're going to wear that again tonight"? Like, what an awful, awful uniform matchup, color on color. It, uh, the, the Cardinals in their black, and it just uh, ugly. The Cardinals uniform sucked, and honestly, they need to update the helmet. They just, they are a team that needs to go back to what they were doing previously, too. Yeah, it, it's just a lot of, it's a lot of, ugh, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan. It, it's, it's not good. But more importantly, it was nice that there was a Thursday game of consequence. Although last week we had one as well. I, I, I do enjoy that. Uh, it was a good game. To me, you know, the real difference of the game as compared with a few weeks ago was. Seattle had Jamal Adams back from injury, and they had acquired Carlos Dunlap, who had the game-sealing sack. And so I think I don't think the Seattle defense is suddenly going to become, you know, the 85 Bears or, you know, the early 90s Eagles or Giants defenses of the past, but they're definitely going to become a competent defense. And if the Seahawks have a competent defense, I think they're going to be a tough out of the NFC. They're going to have a competent defense, and they're going to get a, they're having a competent defense at the right time. Yeah, like this is it's all lining up to where they're getting healthy. They're starting to play. They're starting to play well going into December, and that's when you make the run. I do want to ask you. Yeah. So there was the safety, a rare safety. You know. Yes. You never, you don't very much see a safety in the NFL. All scoring plays in the National Football League are reviewed. Yes. So I watch that and I see that I see it. And again, I'm an official. Uh, and that, yeah, that was a hold. No doubt about it. Yeah. That hold occurred nowhere near the end zone. Oh, well, I mean, it occurred within a yard of the end zone, but the hold did not occur in the end zone. Uh, I, so I would, I would disagree with you to a certain extent. The hold was initiated outside of the end zone. That's it. It continued done. through the end zone. But it doesn't matter. It's done. 
It's I where, don't think so. By the letter of the law, it's where it it's where it is initiated. So that hold occurs at the one. I mean, it wasn't even close at that point. It was the one yard line, and the hold occurs, and then it gets taken back into the end zone. Now, if there was a personal foul on the end of that, different story. Well, okay, but then I think you have a confluence of two issues. I understand that component of the of the, the rule slash law, whatever. But you still had a player who was held in the end zone. If a player is held in the end zone, but the foul didn't it didn't occur in the end zone. It did. He was held in this. He was held in the end zone. It occurred at the one yard line. Anyway, uh, it was just one of those things. I saw it, and I think even Pereira made mention of it. That yeah, yeah, kind of. He kind of blew it off. Like, well, yeah, you know, uh, technically it's where it started, but I'm not going to give the the official a hard time. I've been referring to him lately as Michelle Pereira. Who's okay, the entertaining it. UFC fighter? I know I'm I'm, I'm co-promoting in the fight show, but I don't know. I've been every time he's on, I'm like, ah, Michelle. I, that, I just I just thought you should know that. On that note, <laughs> what are, what are we watching for this week? One game college, one game pro. Why don't you start off? Let's start off with college. Uh, I'm starting out um, Appalachian State uh, taking on at Coastal Carolina. So App State is a very good team. They're probably you know, on the cusp of being ranked themselves, they're six and one taking on undefeated. I think this coastal Carolina story is a great story as is some of the other ranked teams. So it's just interesting to see if they could keep the ball moving, keep the train rolling, all that good stuff. I'm going to go to the big 10 and I want to see what happens in Chicago, in Evan, in Evanston, Illinois, right? Evanston. Yeah. Yeah. Wisconsin, Northwestern, not only is it potentially to be a great uniform matchup, I want to see if if uh, Northwestern is for real. Northwestern yeah. is currently ranked 19. They're 4-0. Wisconsin, number 10, 2-0. Obviously coming off of some COVID situations. Uh, this is a big test for Northwestern to see what they truly are yeah. in the Big Ten and in the season. I agree. This is a good one. Uh, my pro, there honestly, which is nice. There are so many pro games to choose. Uh, it's actually it's a good weekend of football because there's a lot of college games we're going to choose. Chosen. Uh, I'm going with the rematch of last year's and AFC divisional game. I'm going Tennessee at Baltimore. So why do I like this game? These are two very physical teams. Uh, there's also an element of revenge in this game, and there's elements of desperation in this game because both of these teams. A little bit, they're kind of sliding right now. Neither of them are in first place in their respective divisions, and they need this game. And to me, this is kind of like two bulls going at it. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this game. It's one, uh, one p.m. game. I'm going eight twenty p.m. Sunday night, and I got to see what happens between the Chiefs and the Raiders in Vegas. I. I've been high on on LA. Jesus Christ, I just dated myself. I've been high on Las Vegas. I want to see if they are able to what they're able to do again against Kansas City. Like this is was the first time a fluke. What's happening now? Are we going to take victory laps? You know, yeah. what's going to happen here? I knew you were going to pick that game. Well, I was also looking at Green Bay and Indianapolis. I, but I knew you were going to pick that game. And also, I'm going to put in a uh, prediction for our uh, weekly wrap-up show that that's going to be in your uni matchup because you have a hard-on for the Kansas City uniform. 
That's a but that's a beautiful uniform matchup. It's not. Game. It's ugly. It's a great uniform matchup. The Kansas on City that, uniform sucks. On that note, we're going to wrap up this here program. Follow us on all social media at GL Stand Show, thegoallinestand.com. Thegoallinestand.com should be back running, up and running, and pointing to the right website uh, by the end of the weekend. So that's good. If not, glstand.podomatic.net will take you where you need to go. We'll see you on, I guess, Tuesday of next week. Short week. So it's going to be an interesting week with uh, Thanksgiving. We're going to have to figure that out. And yeah. We'll be talking some football. Enjoy the football weekend. Stay safe. Wear a mask. And go birds.